everyone. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, by all means. Are you done? No, no, I'm, yes, I'm quite done. Okay, trying again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where writers sit around, drink tasty beverages, and talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. There will be rants and raves, opinions that have no possibility of agreeing but are lovingly delivered. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Today's GM gallery include Chaz Brinchley, David Welsh, and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 172, Make the Adventure You Want to Play in, GM Talk. Today is all about how to write good and fun adventures with our special guest, Norman Lutz. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Delighted to have you. Norman is a friend that lives in Southern California near Dave, and the two of them, as near as I can tell, go crazy and are writing games and having adventures, and we thought we would bring some of this out loud to you. Well, we started crazy, but um, going crazy sounds good, so, you know. I- I am a big believer, and you listeners may remember from many previous episodes that we believe strongly that being a game master, a good running a good game, writing a good game is good writer training. Lots of good people got started on mushes. Like I first ran into Jim Busher on Parrots 2, and we had uh-huh. many hours of good scenes together, and you yeah. him. Steve, Steve Erickson's um, books of the Malazan of the Fallen. Um, yeah, this is massive fantasy sequence. That started as a game. Yeah. Him and his best mate. Steve Bruce uh, ran Dragera for a bunch of friends, including Cass Marshall and John Roby that I knew back from Colorado, that before it was ever a book, it was absolutely something they did in Steve's living room. Yep. Jonathan so, L. Howard started as a game writer, didn't he? I'm not sure, but we should totally ask him. We could do that. We're going to ask him next. Jonathan, okay. we're coming for you. <laughs> but... There are still, I mean, there's got to be a methodology, or is this another version of plotting versus pantsing GM edition? Norman, where do you start with all of this? You're going to, you have a Friday night game coming up. You have to oh, entertain dear. Dave, you know? Where, where do you start? A, I have a game coming up. Oh, no, I've got homework to do. <laughs> Let me back up some. Oh, let's see. What do they say in the, that the Princess Brides? Let me explain. No, it's too complex. Let me sum up. Yeah. Yes. Um. Commence to summon. This all began after an effort on my part to not drink alcohol for a couple of weeks. On that note. Chaz just got the willies, just so you know. I mean, <laughs> he physically shivered all over. So. I think we all did. <sighs> Continue, please. So. Wait, I'm the one up, keeping us on track. Something's strangely wrong here. I woke up in the wee hours with, as I often do, a song going through my head. Now wasn't any particular song. Sometimes it's just like a bass line or a guitar riff, but woke up with music going through my head and trying to calm down, think of something positive before I go back to sleep. I thought about how much I'm enjoying reading the Nick Heron Slow Horses. Series. Oh, yes. Such good books. Yes, yes, totally. He can't write them fast enough for me. Yeah, did did you see the TV as well with Gary Oldman? Yes, which was mostly satisfactory. I'm a pretty harsh critic of books made into video. Uh-huh. Um, that one passed muster for me. Uh, don't let me talk about William Gibson's The Peripheral making. Oh, good lord, no! Television. It was uh, <laughs> it was like if Romeo and Juliet were 
Terminator and being pursued and hang on, we're not going to let you talk no, about thank this. You, thank, Look, thank I can't you. believe I'm saying this, but back to your stay on track. Let's okay. <laughs> um, stand corrected. So um, I'm thinking about how much I'm enjoying the Mick Heron series, Slow Horses, and I've got a music in my head. And then I thought of it about how much fun the Firefly scenario is. So the you know the the series is referred to as Serenity. I tend to think of it as Firefly. Um, that ship that they use to putter around the the known verse in that story, and the the people that live on it. I thought, boy, wouldn't it be fun if I could play in a game? Because, you know, everybody wants to play in the game. Um, only occasionally do I ever feel the need to run a game. And that's mostly when I can't find anybody to create and play the game for me. Create and run the game for me, but I want to play it. Which I think we've come full circle to our topic here. Writing the game you want to play in. So I thought, oh, what a fun idea. I should create this game and get somebody else to play it for me. Probably won't happen. Also, disclaimer, the uh, amount of fun I have a game is usually not dependent on the nature of the game itself. It's based on the people I'm playing it with. Oh, I, always, always. I, I think that I could play, I could role play happily, going to the grocery store, buying most of the stuff on my grocery list, getting home and realizing I forgot something important and have a good time if the right people were involved in the game. You know, I'm not sure if Kroger is willing to license the Safeway role-playing game, but, you know, there's there's potential. There's cer certainly enough grocery stores have been the setting for any number of short stories, episodes, movies. You know. Horror stories, mostly. Yeah, horror stories. I mean, what you knew with frozen turkeys is alone a horror. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, never mind. My mind wandered right there. Anyway. Anyway, staying is this on some track. Sort of, are we in an alternate universe where I am the one? Never mind. Go ahead. Please continue. So, well, actually, this comes down to how this story concept became a game. I went to the meetup forum and just posted a, a single page on there saying, here's a story. There's a rock and roll band that tours the known moons in a firefly ship and they're all a bunch of losers who have by one method or another drifted into being intelligence assets for the mib stolen from we're back to talking about filing off serial numbers here stolen from men in black yes. and repurposed um initially for multiverse investigation bureau but in this story it's a moon base moon age investigation bureau I think you'll find actually that we can talk about clearly and haven't saying if you're just trying to write a story for your mates, you can absolutely rip off anybody's personal stuff and file the serial numbers off. You can play the Godfather role playing game. You can play things that you just can't publish it and try to profit from it. Right. And I never had any concept of publishing or profiting. Heck, I never had any concept of this actually going beyond my putting that one post on the meetup and saying, wouldn't this be fun? I figured that was the end of it. There, so. are, whole, there are whole Kickstarters, Norman, that have come from this. I personally invested in raccoon sky pirates just because I wanted to play a crazed raccoon flying the dumpster fire across the town to raid a house. And a, that combination of, is it a role-playing game or is it just fiasco rebranded with raccoons? You'd be the judge. Funny you should mention that. I'm looking at 
Dave's box set of fiasco sitting on my end table here. He handed it to me one night and said, take a look at this. Tell me if you think it would be fun playing. It hasn't got me further than my end table, but something will probably happen eventually. So I posted this idea on the meetup, and about a week later, I got this email from Dave who said, this sounds like fun. Is there a seat at the table? (laughs) To which I responded, "Um, there's no table currently. So, I mean, a seat is difficult, and there's not really even a story yet. I just have this concept so it's sort of you start with a scenario and say, I have a pretty good idea of scenario and setting then. And well, that would be generously describing it. <laughs> but but you did you did feel that you needed a story before you could start developing it. I I realized that if anything was gonna happen, I was gonna have to have some kind of a hook to hang the story on. Sure. So my first I met with Dave and over beers, that's multiple. Um, he coaxed me into, convinced me, um, attracted me. I told him I didn't want to do all the work of running a game, and I was not a numbers person in the least bit. Said if I was to get involved at all, I like to tell stories and um, do things that make it possible for other people to share their stories. But um, ma- managing, you know, to hit tables and armor class and all that stuff was not anything I had any interest in. And I said, oh, and damn it, if he if he didn't say, I'll be your numbers guy and do all that work if you'll provide the story. Well, that's perfect because I think being a GM is a combination of doing critical path discovery of project management plus a very fireside storytelling tradition, really. Mm-hmm. So you have Dave, Six Sigma project management boy, <laughs> and somebody who wants to have a wineskin and pass around the fire and wave his arms. It's perfect. Well, <laughs> and, and it... Um, so far has worked out. And, and it turns out that even the minimal work that I've put into um, making the rules, I, I selected a framework off of um, uh, drive-through RPG. Um, we decided, to, well, it was something that Norman had used before anyway. Um, the fate system seemed seemed the closest of the systems that I know of or, or looked at. So you decide on a system. Good step. And I said, I can, I can, I can modify this to, to this story. This is fine. And I, you know, did a little stuff and turns out that I I didn't even probably need to do that because (laughs) we get to, we get to start playing this game and, and Norman just kind of ignores the rules anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, so what is the critical path in all this that you discovered, Norman? What did you need to know or do to succeed at getting an adventure together? Well, I had the initial concept of, and here we are again, pirating. Um, I haven't bothered to. If I like do anything with the ideas, I buff them up a little sandpaper and then spray one coat of paint on them. Whereas Dave advocates, you know, um, sanding them down to the metal and then acid etching them so you can't identify the original idea and then putting multiple coats on top of it. And is Dave in prison yet? No, um, Dave is not. So no, you know. not. Dave is wise. Listen to Dave. <laughs> well, Dave, Norman's Norman's methodology works great um, as long as you're not actually, as we, as you pointed out earlier, trying to make money off of yeah. anything, which um, we're a long way from trying to make money off of this in any sense. So, and 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 by the way, as far as you know, acid etching and all that stuff, I I don't necessarily think you have to acid etch everything i think you have to file hard enough that casual inspection does not 
um, reveal the serial numbers. I think if anybody digs hard enough, they're going to find something. So, well, three degrees of separation is standard for heraldry, and I presume uh, <laughs> you can always say no, no. I just got it off TV tropes, right? Yeah, I know, but well, six is standard for Kevin Bacon, so <laughs> fair. Um, somewhere between three and six, at any rate. So, yeah. Um, so, do you, so where do you decide? Did you decide this was going to be, let's try this, um, I want to write a story with a climax for an evening? Or is this something that you thought, I can see doing a campaign, let's kill a number of Friday nights with this? I thought of it as a campaign. And uh, I read a lot of science fiction, and I'm accustomed to pirating my favorite authors for ideas that I try to foist on players, some with more success than others. Um, I recommend usual, Joe Clayton Skeen, just saying. <laughs> usual authors I pirate ideas from include William Gibson, um, Mick Heron, and C.J. Shirai. Hey! Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, we love her. Yes. Right. And in and, fact, he actually recommended, recommended hell, he sent me a couple of books to read as prep for the uh, um, scenarios. Yeah, being in hardcover, I don't know if you'll ever read them. I understand you uh, need electronic devices to become. No, actually, I did read them. Word. Oh, good. Yep, one was um, the Space Merchant or Space No. Oh, Space Merchant is Sam Cornbluff. Um, Merchanter's Luck by yeah, a love story with long distance space travel. Mm -hmm. So, in all of this, do you then basically decide? Do you do you say, okay, this is going to be a campaign? But if my players don't get to murder something, they'll get restless. So I've got to have something they can kill in the evening. And fight scenes take a while. So I presume you usually like to do it kind of towards the end. Is, is that the, the general approach? Do you sort of start that way? Or do you he, just say... He kind okay, of turned so that on its head. Um, we didn't get into any real fights at first, but we did discover a, a dead body in the freezer. That's always good. Oh, so and, it's and it a cozy clear that this body had been in a fight because it was clutching a gun. Okay. And um, the band on the ship yes. wound up writing a song about it. Of course they did. Um, um, so so, so I mean, did you approach this as a detective mystery kind of a thing? Yeah, I couldn't see. I couldn't see giving them all the information up front about what was going on and saying, now you're going to follow a script while I railroad you through it. Yeah. I was hoping for, um, frankly, I was hoping for the players to take over the game and railroad me through it. Sure. It has not worked out exactly like that, but, you know. Uh, Don't tell me they're making you work for it, Norman. Relationships. They never turn out exactly like you anticipated to start. So you, you also then have to decide, okay, I want them to know things. How do I eke it out in a way that makes them think it was their idea to find out? Oh, it was so... Let me speak to my disappointments. I, <laughs> hoped, that, I hoped that they I'm would sitting like, right interrogate here. <laughs> me at great length and spend a lot of time um, drawing out all the clever clues I had planted. And there's an entire um, periodic internet download that you can access when the ship pulls into a new port. And I thought they'd make a point of combing through that and checking their emails and reading the news and... No, that's not really the case. The players, um, gosh, I should speak diplomatically since there's a chance they might listen to this someday. Yeah. Let, let's just say that they, right had a, they had a different idea of pacing and delivery. I think they were much more accustomed to being spoon-fed according to a script. But, so, you know, you, you, you 
you go to war with the players you have, not the players you wish you had, or something of that. <laughs> that's that's where you need the storyteller willing to stand there and wave his arms in the smoke, I think. Because anybody who goes into, we, we say that, well, writing software is like writing a game, because the minute you think, and then the user slash player will do X, you're already lying to yourself, right? right. Just, yeah. no, no, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Right. right. Yes, exactly. You should spend 70% of your time programming the exceptions. Another 30% on the happy path. Well, exactly. A young man steps out of the lab. I kill him. <laughs> you're, you're oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Can, I, can, can, I, can I tell a sideways story? Tell a sideways story. Um, my friend um, um, in, 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 in Rankin, um, the crime writer, signed a three book contract. I mean, he was well into bestsellerdom by this time. Um, and, and his detective, whose name I will remember any moment, um, was, he's Scottish, right? Um, so, and the Scottish Parliament had just been set up, devolution was happening. So Ian proposed a three volume series of Scottish political murder mysteries. Um, which would all feature one particular Scottish member of Parliament. Um, and, and his publishers paid him huge bucks up front, and he started writing it, and in Chapter 2, he killed this guy. <laughs> Inspector Rebus? Inspector Rebus, thank you, yes. Right. Chapter 2, there's a whole rest of the book you got to do something. There's the rest of the trilogy he had to write, <laughs> yeah. uh, without one, his one problem at a time. Well, there's, there's also sometimes the illusion of players that have of themselves. For instance, the, I am a thoughtful detective. I am the person who, I like figuring things out. And so you give them a, a subtle, careful mystery, <laughs> which they club their way through with his Zweihander and yep. just, you know, living. Yes. okay, I have, this knowledge is no longer in that dead guy's brain spilling out there. Right. Um, he keeps a journal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He keeps an improbably detailed journal. An improbably detailed journal. Who would have written down something like that? Wow. I wish I had $10,000 for every time a player created this elaborate backstory with some distant enemies that, you know, he hoped to gain revenge on. And I brought them into the scenario and made it clear that they were on the horizon. And he went, oh, I don't want to play that character anymore. I have a different idea now. (laughs) The whole campaign is, you know, structured by it. And all the other players have devoted, you know, we've traveled thousands of miles to prepare for this. I would bill him. (laughs) I want you all out there to know that the Dead Sea is salty because it's full of the tears of GMs. (laughs) And novelists. And novelists when people destroyed their work. (laughs) So So I settled on pirating an idea from William Gibson. Um, he has a novel, Spook Country. Yes, he does. Where there's a there's a large amount of cash that somebody is trying to launder and bring into the U.S. Or bring into the U.S. and then launder. Hey, my Nigerian prince loves me. We're just doing it for us. <laughs> I know, totally. And he, the protagonist of the story enjoys messing with the pe- group of people that are trying to bring this money into the country. Such that he finally lets them achieve it. But as they bring it in, he arranges for it to have been made exceedingly radioactive. And they can't even get it through the border carefully, much less ever use the cash. So yeah. needing something to hang the story on, I decided there was a large amount of cash, ill-gotten, that somebody was trying to launder and bring to you know a place where they could divide it up amongst themselves. 
and chose a random number. It kept getting bigger as the story grew. Um, currently, I think it's at 200 million credits. Mm-hmm. And But the cash never got delivered to the ship. The band was going to be used as a, you know, while they were on tour to move this shipment of cash mm-hmm. disguised as used office equipment. Um, to a place where it could be laundered. But there was a falling out between the band and the MIB security group delivering it to the ship. There was a gunfight. They were saying, what does a band need with a used Kodak printer? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, dot Matrix, or the 23rd century, 25th century equivalent thereof. Right. Yeah. Um, there, anyway, there t- turned into a battle between the security group delivering the cash and the band inside the ship. And while the battle was going on, a porch pirate came by and stole the forklift and the pallet of cash and took off with it. Then the security group lost the battle. So now all the people that knew what the package even looked like that was supposed to be delivered are dead. (laughs) Thus the the corpse in the freezer, by the way. responsible for something that they don't have. (laughs) I I think that sounds like you're well on your way to a solid short story, possibly novel there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I did that. We've established that's the thing that people do. They turn their precious games into into novels and reap in the benefits, good Lord. Um, right. Have you had any thoughts about that? I mean, if you're not thinking about publishing the game, have you thought about publishing the story? Um, Dave seems to think that's the eventual conclusion of this exercise. <laughs> I'm far too lazy for such an endeavor, but it's possible that when we come out the other end of this, whatever it looks like. Mm. I mean, at least committing it to print for start is in my um, wheelhouse. There are wild and crazy collections that have titles like Tales from the House Band, and this sounds like that kind of thing would fit in. I know that. I know that. um, (laughs) uh, Well, as this was kind of getting started, and this, everything he's described up to this point, by the way, is backstory. Yes, yes, we got that. The previous, yeah, the previous band was was the one that that um, was supposed to deliver this cash or or take this cash on tour, um, and they got jettisoned or or killed or abandoned the project, and we we got picked up in a backwater um, as a group of you know kind of talented but um, naive musicians who. Um, Do you play the trumpet, the- Dave? I think it's well, actually my my character was a sound engineer, but um, oh, okay. <laughs> weirdly enough, um, but um, yeah, so so we kept getting all these clues that something had happened, and and we we didn't know what, and we had this wonderful email exchange um, where uh, um, I was virtually the only uh, player participant, as far mm-hmm. as I could tell, but I was having a, a wonderful time, um, like asking questions and speculating about. Um, you know, why certain things were happening, like um, um, why why this known uh, spy was suing our band for $200 million. <laughs> um, and I, you know, at first I said, well, uh, let her go pound sand. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think she's going to get blood out of our turnip here. <laughs> um, but Is that then, a euphemism? Um, I don't know, look it up. Uh, so, so anyway, there, there's this fine tradition of, of kind of doing all the in-between uh, scene stuff uh, via email. Um, the size which... and girth of the turnip, fully justified by the plot. <laughs> We're cutting that out. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, so that's where a lot of the action took place was, was via email. 
And um, we finally um, caught up with the cash. Uh, that was kind of the last scenario. We played two or three um, sessions just to get there. And, and then I think it was four games in what I thought would be covered in one to start huh. with. Well, well you it, did have I mean, a flashback. It, epistolary stories are, are a standard thing. And the fact that it can now happen in email doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. I mean, story is story. Yeah. Um, I do not regret any time involved with this project. Being that in my head while is the I'm most playing, important thing. Be it in my head while it's on the pillow or emailing with Dave or sitting in the um, brewing facility that has become our gaming zone. Right. I think, isn't that then one of the most important bits is if you're writing, you're writing because you have to and you want to. And this is a story that clearly tickles you pink to be told. And that's what writing is all about, right? Yeah, my, I, I want to do a shout out here to my uh, one creative writing teacher, Glenda K. Richter. That's with a C-H in Richter. Um, mm -hmm. She told me that there's two schools of writing. One, you put some three by five cards on the wall with the primary points in them. And then you fill in all the blanks with lots of writing. And the other one is you just sit down and you create a character or a character comes to you and tells you, you better start writing. Yep. This has yep. definitely been, I didn't have any idea this, where this would go when I threw the concept out there. I spent weeks just trying to figure out what the hell am I going to hang this story on? Mm -hmm. But do, do you, once once the players are involved, um, do you find yourself being frustrated because they're not going in the directions that you wanted them to? I'm accustomed to that as a gamer. Um, okay. I and I don't like to railroad people on the you know on the tabletops. Yeah, sure. So I try to let them go where they want to. I'd say if anything's frustrating me, it's that they want it, to be spoon fed what yeah. happens well, next. I I blame it on television. <laughs> I, I was actually going to ask a question about that kind of in the middle area there of how much do you write down? What what tools do you use? Are you just a pencil and paper guy or uh, do you write it online? You keep your files. <laughs> Good Lord, one could use Scrivener. What, what well, do yeah, you do? I, I understand there are professional tools for this, but I'm just open a blank word document kind of guy. And that helped get me started for the concept and then I have a long list of potential things I wanted to throw at them, most of which I've never used. And um, my, I think we, we 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 keep touching on this much more to me anyway. Interesting and important idea mm -hmm. of um, there's a balance between spoon feeding information to players and um, and like letting them define the world for themselves i mean yeah. it's kind of a spectrum right and yeah it's 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 exactly the same in fiction writing i mean there's yeah. nothing more annoying than if i said as you know dave yeah. there's so many <laughs> times that i can tell you that right. this this planet is clearly coming near us and we're worried so we're just all going to party here <laughs> for our last two years on earth before it hits right well, because and, that's totally what one says casually right and, and we've done yes and we've done we've done episodes on world building so when you put all these things together one you're 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 building a new world you have a brand new set of players um finding that balance is is really difficult um which was why i i liked the um the whole email thing because it it, it allows you to kind of um come to some agreements on on what what the parameters are of the story yeah. I mean, sure um, so Norman, um, if you're if you're running a game 
and your players suddenly take a mad left turn in a direction that you completely <laughs> had not anticipated. Are you ready for that? Is that? I mean, does the world reach out that far that you've built that pathway even without expecting them to follow it? Well, you've got a couple of options. One is that you can let them do that. I have had entire campaigns destroyed by such a decision. Yeah. Um, the other one is that you can try to guide them gently in the direction you want them to go. <laughs> yeah, we're talking Dave here, so, you know. Yeah. You, hey. you can also um, let them think they've derailed your plan and they're going in their own direction when actually that path leads right back to where you wanted them to be anyway. You can, um, presumably, if, I mean, if you're... If you're ready for it, you can lead that path back to where you want them to be. Um, it's just I, I, I'm, I'm curious how much you have built the world around the situation so that you can accommodate that kind of mad left turn that wasn't expected. Well, remember, I'm um, stealing from everything that I admire. So right. um, if I need a planet, odds are CJ Shirai has given me one. <laughs> um, if I need... A nefarious sort. Um, it's possible that Mick Heron or William Gibson have given me a personality yep. I can I could reuse. Yep. And if I need a um, if I need a loser, I've got my players. <laughs> the, the trick is convincing them to be loser enough. One of the um, criteria for this game up front was I wanted all the players to be massively flawed. Yeah. And it is difficult to get people to commit to that and act it out appropriately. And we haven't done too bad. I have, let's see, one player who um, has no flaws, apparently. Um, another one who is a disgraced military pilot, and he does pretty well. He's hung that out there for us to look at, and we get to choose different stories to back that up all the time. And he's denied none of them, so we can accuse him about of anything we want to. I suspect I'm wandering far afield, though, of your initial question. You may have no, to no, no. I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this, dude. <laughs> All right. So, what, what, what advice would you give a new uh, somebody who's been maybe they've played games, et cetera, they've read them, they've listened to gaming podcasts, they want to start. Where do you think they should start? Oh, uh, I choose a story that will keep you entertained because uh, you've got to live with this thing, and if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Having fun is huge. For, for, as your question, though, are you are you talking to new GMs or new new gamers in general? Because my advice would be play play a lot before you start trying to GM. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean the 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 rubric in writing um, is just read everything yep. and then expect to write a million words before you're publishable. Um, but yeah, no, I um, yeah, the more you read the better you get, and I'm sure the more you game, the, the more you learn about gaming. You, yeah. you remember good games, you remember bad games, right. you remember the, oh dear God, we never got to the point games. You remember, yes. wow, you're in a chase scene. Yeah. Can I tell you about Sleuth? Sure. Not Sleuth, Heist. Can I tell you about Heist? Yes. Heist, Heist was a game invented by my friend Ian, my best friend. Um, and it was it was brilliant. You, you started by going around the edge of the board, um, collecting henchmen and and money and stuff in order to break into the bank that was in the middle of the board um but there were also there were there were policemen moving randomly around the board and if they met you while you were still going around the board you were in trouble um 
and once once you'd accumulated everything you thought you needed, you could move into the center of the board, where there were two options. There was the bank to raid, which was how the game was finished, um, but there was also a casino. If you didn't think you had enough money, you could go into the casino and try and gamble for more. Um, and the first time we played this, it was completely brilliant. Um, I won in the sense that I got into the bank, I broke into the bank, I escaped to the airport and I flew away with my ill-gotten gains, which was the, you know, those were the criteria of victory. It was just unfortunate that I'd forgotten to actually take any money out of the bank. So I, <laughs> I flew away with nothing at all. Meanwhile, another player had just gone into the casino and gambled. Um, and, and, and Ian had got his odds wrong. Ian, Ian was not a professional gambler. He wasn't even an amateur gambler. Um, and he'd got all the, all, all the odds wrong. So this guy was just spooning in money hand over fist. And it was, it was, it was just beautiful. <laughs> is this game think, available anywhere or is it just... <laughs> Alas, no. So, could you recreate it from memory? We could do a Kickstarter. <laughs> Possibly. So what are you working on? Are, are you going to keep on this one or are you running multiple things at once here? Tell us what you're doing next. This is my sole focus for gaming. Um, I'm currently, it's funny because I'm not well organized enough to have this thing plotted out far ahead. What happens is we finish a game off and I go home and go, well, I have 30 days until the next game. What huh. the hell am I going to do? That's, that's how I write books, dude. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the, the main question now is, do you have any concept of moving it into professional publication, or are you just going to carry on doing this for your own fun? I suspect that it, since I'm going to continue my association with Dave, I won't have any choice but to at least semi-professionally approach this project. Yes. He does love project management. Oh, baloney. Of course, you know, we need to... <laughs> To get somewhere to what we could consider a stopping point in the story, or you know, a um, a chapter ending, well, or something like that. Well, let's let's take baby steps. We we need to establish a stable group and get a a a corpus of of gameplay under our belt, so we have something to work with. Yeah, yeah stable absolutely. group is a big challenge. I'd like the workplace where we left off at, where we finally got to where we have found the office supply pallet. Mm -hmm. We've opened it up, and we've realized it's got a couple hundred million dollars in it and everybody went oh crap what do we do with yep. this <laughs> yes, so there I... was nobody at the table who thought well no there was one player there was one only one player at the table who thought huh this is more of a an opportunity than it is a problem everybody else went, oh, shit. yeah he was like i'm rich now and another <laughs> player was like, I am not comfortable being in the same room with this much cash. Yeah. Hey, I want you to know that I am, but I was, this, this, I was this is good to advertisement to go out there, everybody. Find your local meetup groups. Find people to game with, especially because a lot of people are feeling isolated in this totally. time of COVID. Yeah. Meetups and Zoom can be a way of actually continuing gaming. So I charge you, faithful listeners, find somebody <laughs> you can play with online if you need to, but do it. Hey, Jeannie. Yeah. You got any time to game lately? No. Oh, come I mean, yes. now. I think we'll, you'd we'll make talk a later. <laughs> what instrument do you play? What instrument have you always wanted to play? Forget playing an instrument. Uh, we're choosing our songs using YouTube. There's a song you like and you want to pretend you wrote it and recorded it. We can help you with that. Norman, I was an ethnomusicology major. It's a funny question. 
and are you are you a musician? Because you keep talking about music. Oh, I'm a what's the term? Renaissance man. I'm a generalist. Um, dilettante. He's another dilettante. dilettante. There, I knew there, there was you a go. reason I liked it. <laughs> People ask me if I play guitar. I know a dozen chords and I can strum some, but I couldn't finger pick my way out of a wet paper bag. Fair enough. Um, well, I your name is Lerman. Time, I can carry a tune, but that's where my skills end. Okay. Well, with your name being Norman Lutz, we're going to expect a Lutz solo Lute. next yep. time we see you. A Lutonist. Damn it. At any rate, we will put links to the oh, fascinating wow, things we've discussed during this episode on our website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. Norman, thank you so much. This has been tremendous fun. Thank you. I've enjoyed it muchly, and uh, perhaps we can update you as we figure out where the heck this story is going to go. That oh, would, yes, please. That would we, be we, divine. We totally want you back here. <laughs> You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you via Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spiders are David Welsh and John Schmidt. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. Our podcast sponsors are Jackal Designs, The Bean Scene, Arm Street, and honorable mention to any pub where we hang out and game. And hey, thanks for listening. Nothing, notice, come on, that was clever.